It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. As we welcome you along to the programme, if there's anything you want to share with us, email that's open 24 7 Cork Today at c103.ie. In the start of the new year, uh, you know, for many people, they're looking back at what they spent in January and people are trying to uh, balance all the bills and may dread if any additional bills start to uh, come in. But um, cost of living, we know we've been talking about the rising cost of living for the last number of years. So there is a little bit of good news as we head into the start of 2024 and it's looking like us, the shoppers, will be reaping the benefits of what could turn out to be a supermarket price war in the coming weeks. And this is particularly as the retailers are ushering in the new year and they're doing it, thankfully, by slashing prices. Now, drops in energy. There's also been drops in other production uh, costs. We're now being told that that's going to be passed on to the consumer. And that, of course, is also amid intense competition between all of the supermarkets in what is traditionally the slow trading months at the start of the year. Many people bought so much in the run-up uh, to Christmas that you find, certainly in the early weeks of January, that you don't need to be buying as much food items that you might still have a lot stocked up uh, that you bought over Christmas. So the supermarkets all know that. So they really do try and go after shoppers, trying to get us all to spend a little bit more uh, as well. So January has always traditionally been the month for introducing price reductions but those price reductions I think are never more welcome than they are this year and the discounter Aldi they seem to be one of the first out of the blocks. They have dropped uh, prices on a range of products right across their store. And they are claiming that a typical shopping trolley for a family is going to fall by, they say, 25 uh, euro. And that will be very welcome on a weekly basis. They have reported price reductions of up to 23%. That's a high reduction on some items. And they're cutting prices on things like cold meats, uh, Puddings and uh, yogurts. Little say they will lower the price of a hundred products this week, but they already point out that they reduced the cost of more than six hundred items, and they've been doing that in the run up to Christmas. They kicked it off around October. The price drops of up to thirty five percent are what Little are promising, and they're dropping prices on things like fresh and frozen food. 
your cupboard staples, the things that you buy every single week. And they're also dropping prices on items from their bakery. And little are pointing to the reason they say that this latest round of price reductions is coming. It's as a direct result of the reduction in the cost of production for many of their uh, items. And obviously there is a drop in energy costs uh, as well. And little are already anticipating that other supermarkets uh, will see a fall in uh, purchasing this month and that other supermarkets are expected to follow suit. Everyone was doing well in that run up to Christmas, but now we're into post Christmas and retailers will be looking to take market share from the other supermarkets and they'll do that. They'll have a mixture of price cuts and reductions and even if it means reducing their own margin, they'll do it to try to get shoppers to switch from one shop to another, as well as a fall in input prices for supermarkets, supply uh, chains. They've, uh, there's also been a bit of stability and that's really following two years now we've had of volatility. So retailers are better able now to forecast prices for, say, the next three to four months. And they're now able to lock in deals with their manufacturers. However, the potential for a price war between the grocery retailers, that's been criticised by the IFA. The IFA say that if the retailers want to engage in combat for customers, It can't, they say, be at the expense of farmers or the producers. And that's a direct quote from the IFA president, Tim Cullinan. He says the idea that the primary producer can afford to take a lower price, he says that flies in the face of higher input costs. He's adding that the food chain simply cannot survive if pressure is placed on Irish producers. Retailers, uh, he says, cannot use their dominant position in the food chain to reduce farmers' margins and especially trying to do it while they'll be protecting their own uh, profits. Now, grocery price inflation here, uh, it was at 8.6% and that was in the three months to the end of November and that was the lowest level it's been in more than a year. It's still high at 8.6% but it's the lowest uh, in more than a year so we will welcome that. And while Irish inflation data for the Christmas period, that hasn't been published yet. I think it's due to be published next week but the UK grocery price inflation is out and, and they reckon we're, countries are we're close enough when it comes to uh, inflation in both countries. But in the UK, it plummeted last month for coming up to the Christmas uh, period. So we'll have to wait until next next week to see if it will be uh, the same for us here uh, or not. But certainly some good news as we head into the new year with the supermarkets starting to drop their prices. So when you're heading out to do your big shop or your small shop or your midweek shop, you should start to see the price of items uh, coming down. And another kind of a good news story that I, I spotted in the paper today is to do with home heating oil. It seems home heating oil prices fell last year and that was after two years of very, very steep uh, increases. New figures are showing that at the moment the average cost of kerosene uh, is down by more than 200 euro. That's if you're, that's if you're buying a thousand euro, which is a typical fill, isn't it, of your tank, down by 200 euro. That's a fall of 16% on where the price of kerosene was the previous year. And all of these figures are coming from analysis done by the comparison website oilprices.ie. They say falling prices last year, they're in a marked contrast to where we were in 2022 when prices went up by 
50%. And in the previous year, there's about 1.5 million households who use home heating oils. You'll remember the previous year in 2021, home heating oil went up by 80%. So it's good to see that it's now flipped. It's gone the other way and it is starting to uh, come um, come down. So down by about €200. Euro. That's on a full tank of uh, kerosene. And part of the analysis that was done by this price comparison website, oilprices.ie, they looked at some of the myths and this was one that actually I always believed. It's a myth that home heating oil is cheaper in the summer and more expensive in the winter. And you'll hear of people who buy their home heating oil in the summer believing that they're going to get the best bargain. The fact is that oil prices are driven by the global economy and the weather in Ireland makes little or no difference to the price of uh, oil. It might lead to a difference in demand if we get a very, very cold uh, period. But it really, buying in the summer, thinking you're getting it uh, cheaper, it's not actually saving you money. So the advice for any of us who have to buy home heating oil is to keep an eye on the price, keep an eye on the world market, keep an eye on, you know, if, is it going up or uh, down? And and you buy then uh, rather than waiting for a particular month in the year. Helen by WhatsApp saying, Hi Patricia, what is the story with the €150 Euro energy credit that was announced in the budget? Three of them in total, householders expecting to get €450 Euro in total from the government to help out with the high cost of electricity. But Helen is wondering, why is everybody not getting it? They never said that when they announced the energy credits. OK, the energy credits uh, for electricity is different to how they gave it out last year. Remember last year when they were giving out, they were €200, Euro, I think they gave out €600 Euro in total and every single householder in the country that had electricity was entitled to the energy credit. But what they've done this time is properties who have what they call low levels of use will not automatically get the uh, credit and the reason for that was they discovered last year when they gave out the energy credits that anyone, for example, that had a holiday home, uh, they were entitled to get the €200 Euro by three, 600 in, in total, the electricity uh, credit. People for, that were in nursing homes and there's nobody living in their homes, they were all getting the energy credit. So a lot of households who had very little low usage of electricity haven't even used up the energy credit that was given to them last year. So that's the difference this year compared to last year where everyone who was connected to electricity uh, got it. Now, the the low usage threshold is where somebody has to use, if somebody uses less than 150 kilowatt an hour of energy, and that has to be done um, in every quarter between the 1st of July of 2022 and the 30th of July 2023. So that way they're able to work out which are homes that are just holiday homes. They might be just used a couple of months in the summer. They might be used for a couple of weeks at Easter. Also, as I say, those houses that maybe are locked up because the person living in them has gone long term into a, a nursing home. But the low usage threshold, by the way, it doesn't apply to people who are maybe a hardship case who are on a pay-as-you-go uh, meter because some people on the pay-as-you go meters are using very little electricity because they can't afford to purchase the credit in order to use the electricity. Uh, And it's also uh, people who are on are entitled to be on the the vulnerable customer register, but you're going to have to contact your provider to let them know if you fall into either of those categories. But for everybody else, it's only for people with a very low, low levels of uh, use. And as I say, it is in the main to stop people who've got holiday homes getting the the, uh, additional credit. 
C103's Irish Sunday is the big show on your radio. Sunday mornings from 10. Four hours of all-time favourites from Michael English to Claudia Buckley. Mary Black to Declan Nurney. And the High Kings to Louise Morrissey. It's Cork's greatest hits, guaranteed. And everyone is Irish. Join us Sunday mornings from 10am on C103. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork today at c103.ie. Today on C103. The sale of vapes and e-cigarettes to children under the age of 18 has been banned in Ireland since just before Christmas. So how big a problem is vaping, especially among school students? Well, Aaron Wolfe is Principal of Colosh de Eamon Reish in Cork and Aaron joins me this morning. Good morning to Aaron. Hi, Patricia. How are you doing? I'm very well and uh, you're welcome uh, to the programme. Is it hard for schools to identify if students are vaping? I mean, there's no smell like there is with a normal cigarette. Oh, absolutely. It, it, is, it, it's very, it is difficult. I mean, but it's a long, long time since we ever caught a student smoking actual cigarettes. Um, vaping now has kind of sweeped through secondary schools and has become the, 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 the new smoking. Um, you, you can catch them, but of course you're missing the kind of paraphernalia that'd be associated with normal smoking, you know, where you'd spot the, the box in their top pocket or you'd see a lighter, these Lost Marys and Elf bars. They, they're, they're very hard to find on a student. Um, you can get the sweet smell or you can see the the, you know, the vape over the cubicle. Very, very hard um, yeah. to actually prove it then. Yeah, and it, it's interesting when you say you haven't caught some uh, students smoking in a long time. So there has been a decrease in actual smoking. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's been a long, as I said, it's a long, long time since the students have been smoking, which is a good thing. Um, but it, it, it seems now they've just replaced it with, with, with vape whether vaping is better than smoking remains to be seen yeah, only but yeah you, you'd never see anyone smoking anymore which, which is which, which that that is certainly a, a positive so what the worry there is i would know a lot of people who had been uh, smoking and they went on an e-cigarette in order to give up smoking and then eventually gave up the e-cigarettes but if you're saying that the young people are not smoking they they they're not vaping to try to give up smoking they're going straight into vaping Oh, absolutely. And that would be the worry that it would actually lead on to them starting smoking. And, you know, you really have to look at um, who vaping is being aimed at at the moment. You know, as you say, it was it used to be an alternative to smoking to help you give up. But now these flavours, I mean, it's really targeted at young people. And I think there's huge peer pressure on young people to start vaping. You know, it is seen as the cool thing to do. And it's it's becoming really normalised among teenagers to vape. And they don't seem to see any sort of concern with vaping that it could lead to smoking or the fact that they're putting these chemicals into their body which you know th- that that does help that does affect uh, brain development it, it affects uh, their attention in class and of course it will lead to an addiction to nicotine in the first place yeah you see that's the that's the thing that I suppose is hard to get that message through to young people they will become addicted to uh, nicotine and while you hope that they wouldn't they wouldn't go on to smoke cigarettes but they could end up so addicted to the vape that they, you know, they end up vaping constantly. 
Oh, we can see it already. There are students that have, you know, they'd, be, they'd be putting up their hand to go to the bathroom just to go out to vape. Um, the, the addiction is there already in some of them, you know, and it's awful to see such young people being addicted. Mm. Um, but, you know, the, the, the companies that are making these vapes, they're deliberately targeting young people with these flavours. Like, you just have to look at the names of the flavours to see they're not being targeted for adults. These are, like, they're, they're called, like... Um, Pineapple Ice is one of them. You know, these kind of cool sounding names. Yeah, They're I mean, they, that, uh, I, I was, at, at adults. I was looking up some of them yesterday, you know, gummy bears flavour, uh, blackjack, strawberry, bubblegum uh, flavour. And then the bright colours that they come in. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, 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 it's really being targeted at young people. And I think parents have to be really aware of this because where do teenagers get their money from? Well, they get their money from their parents. So parents have a role here to play in monitoring where their children spending their money because the vape is costing about eight euro. So if your child is spending eight euro on a vape, um, you can see their money would be going very quickly. So the parent has a, a, a role to play there in monitoring and saying, you know, where's your pocket money going? How is it going this quickly? And that might be a sign to you that your child has started vaping. But again, it's very difficult. As we're saying, it's hard for the schools to catch them. It's hard, it's for, very the hard for parents yeah, probably as well yeah, to catch them. Yeah. Well. And of course, vapes are now available everywhere you go. I mean, at one point in time when e-cigarettes first came out, it was just, in, you know, you know, a specialised shop would sell them. But now, you know, every garage you go into, every supermarket you go into, it's very corner shop. It's very easy for young people to be able to buy them. Oh, it's very accessible. And as you're saying about the colours, like anyone would notice at this stage behind the shop counter, you see these, all these bright colours. And even the design of the vape, it's made to look, you know, very attractive to young people. You know, they, these little tiny ones that look like highlighters and everything. They're, they're, they're purely aimed at getting young people hooked on vaping. And, it, you know, it, 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 it's, it's a disgrace, really. Yeah. And whereas a packet of cigarettes and a lighter wouldn't fit into a pencil case. One of these little things would easily fit into a, a, a pencil case. Are you seeing it, Aaron, across all classes or is it the older, you know, sort of the fifth and sixth years? Oh, no, 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 no. I think children as young as second year, you know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if first years were vaping at this stage. But from second year up, you, you'd be, you know, they, they are vaping. It's become normalised. It's the, it's the cool thing to do, the perceived cool thing to do. And as I said, there's huge peer pressure on young people to fit in, as there always has been. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, it's hard for them to, to, to say no and to not vape because, again, the dangers of vaping aren't being really advertised and aren't being enforced. And, you know, they're, they're falling into this trap of starting it, you know, and they're buying them. Very easy to go into the shop and buy them. I think it, you can buy this Lost Mary thing. You get 600 puffs out of it. So it is, um, yeah, it is very difficult for teenagers at the moment. Yeah. And, you know, it was like when cigarettes first came on the market. And if you look back at some of the advertising that they did for cigarettes, because, of course, nobody knew at the time the dangers of uh, cigarettes. We're really in that sort of a world now with vaping and e-cigarettes. It's going to be a few more years before we fully know the health implications of vaping, particularly starting to vape so young. Absolutely. I even know from my, my own children going to the, the dentist, and the dentist saying that it, it's destroying teeth. Vaping is terrible for your teeth. Vaping is terrible for your for blood pressure and things like that. It, there's, there's already some evidence there already. But as, as you say, in years to come, we might look back at this and say, my God, how awful was vaping for all these young people that got involved in it? Do you think it would help the ban on the under 18s? Is that going to help, do you think? 
Well, you would hope so. You would hope it would become like cigarettes. But then again, young teenagers always managed to get cigarettes, even yeah. when it was over 18s, you know, and they, you know, there's ways so, yeah, around it's, it. it's the shopkeepers have to step up, but there's always ways around things, aren't there? OK, Tim says the government should have gone one step further and banned vapes completely. The stink from them is horrendous, particularly if somebody blows one into your uh, face. That's from Tim. And someone else says, well, do, does Aaron agree that those flavours that you've been speaking about, that those ones in particular uh, should be banned? Well, I would think like, you know, th- there was no young people getting hooked on Nicorette gum or anything like that, you know, if they were nicotine flavoured or something, that would, you know, wouldn't be as as attractive. They wouldn't be as tasty. For, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, certainly. But then again, when you come in, then you've got to think, OK, if we ban vaping outright in this country, what about the people that were using vaping to give up smoking? You don't you know, want we've them got to think of those as well. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. We don't want to take a step backwards. Yeah, okay. And you're, of course, coming to the end of the Christmas holidays. When you when you get back Monday, all the students back? It is Monday, Monday, all the students are back, yes. Yeah, so there's, there's probably a few uh, very upset young people around the country now <laughs> ge- gearing up to return to school. <laughs> I think it's probably one of the hardest ones after the Christmas holiday uh, going back in. Anyway, listen, Aaron, pleasure to speak with you. Thank you for that and have a good next Thanks, term. Thanks for joining us. Uh, good oh, morning thanks. to you. Bye bye. That is Aaron Wolf, Principal of Kaloshna, Eamon Rish in uh, Cork City on vaping. And certainly I, I was really interested to hear him say that it's been, you know, a number of years since they've caught any student smoking, which is a real, real positive. But have they just flipped instead of taking up smoking? It seems that they're taking up vaping. And, and I certainly have noticed when I am passing schools and when the young people are coming out, you can see the plume of of vape going up and it is hard for parents uh, because you can't smell it whereas when a young person started smoking particularly if the parents didn't smoke it was very easy to detect if your son or daughter was uh, smoking but it's a lot lot harder when it comes to uh, vaping so I think Aaron's point about you know at eight eight euro a pop that's roughly what it costs for these single use disposable uh, vapes do parents have to start questioning do they have to start wondering what are their young people spending their pocket money uh, on and and maybe that way try to get through to young people to try to stop them vaping and the other one I would be interested in chatting to the young people about because the young generation coming up are so into the environment and so into p- protecting our planet you know and they talk about this is the you know, the wonderful planet that they will be growing that they are growing up with and they want to have children and grandchildren in and they're you know always on about the environment there's a huge environmental impact from these single use vapes because there's a little lithium battery inside of them I know there's been a push of late to make sure that people are recycling them but I am still when I'm out and about on the streets you can still see people just dumping the single use vapes so I think maybe could we get through to young people that way to try to deter them from taking up the, using the single-use vapes uh, because of their effect of the, in, on the environment. Now, following last October's budget, a range of tax changes, social welfare increases and a new minimum wage have all come into effect from this week. So to discuss the tax changes, I'm joined by Rachel Claffey of Taxback.com. Good morning to you, Rachel. Good morning, Patricia. Thanks for having me on. And a happy new year to you and everybody at happy Tax new Back. Happy year. Now, are there, uh, are there a lot of people who are entitled to tax refunds and for whatever reason, never claim them? 
There are, there absolutely are. So on average, about 300,000 people across Ireland each year uh, don't claim tax refunds that they're uh, that they're entitled to or don't claim the full amount. Um, and really the main reason for that, I think, is, well, potentially a little bit of just kind of putting it on the long finger saying, you know, I'll get around to it. Um, in Ireland, we don't actually have to file a tax return as a regular PAYE worker. So a lot of people end up putting it off. But I think think there's a lot there's a lack of knowledge around exactly what you can claim as well um, and so I think that's a big reason for it too mm. and this and then there's that, that old thing of fear of the taxman why would I that's be bringing it. why would I be bringing him on me exactly and so many people thinking oh no just in case there might end up being a liability there but I mean, even though that does happen in certain cases, it's really a lot less people than people think. Um, and there, because of that, a lot of people end up leaving huge amounts of money with revenue. Uh, so this time last year, we got a figure from revenue that for 2021, there was over 300 million euro left with revenue and unclaimed tax returns. Um, <clears throat> I know it's absolutely mad. And now I'd be interested to see if that's uh, increased for the 2022 tax year, which has now been available for people to claim back for a year um but yeah coming into to really 2024 really now, high really really high figures and you no one can blame revenue for this one because if you don't contact revenue to say you're entitled to the refund revenue have no way of knowing who's entitled to it this is it exactly when you were just talking about budget there so you know we saw some little kind of things happening around maybe USC there was changes to the bans um, as well as that the 4.5 USC rate dropped to 4 point sorry to 4 percent these are all things that are going to make little changes to the average taxpayer um, and they're things that you know revenue is going to do on their behalf or their employer um, and so people kind of don't worry about that they think I'll pay a little bit less tax each month I'll get a little bit more money in but it's not a any kind of major windfall, any of the big things that are going to trigger big refunds, people actually have to go to revenue and claim back themselves. So that's, say, your medical expenses, your non-routine dental expenses, that's 20% of them. And I mean, if you're getting non-routine dental work, if you're getting crowns, if you're getting braces, these are expensive a lot things. Of money. So 20% exactly could make a huge difference. Um, the mortgage, also, you know, they, they, one of the biggest refunds that I came across could be on mortgage interest relief. Mortgage interest, exactly. That's a new one. So that was brought in just for the 2023 tax year. So I think kind of what was happening there is that people saw the rent tax credit that was introduced in the 2023 budget that is that was going to bring back €500 Euro to renters um, for the 2023 and the 2024 tax year. That's now actually increased um, to €750. Euro. Uh, and I think a lot of people were thinking, well, what about those people who are paying mortgages and are paying, you know, huge amounts similar to renters, if not more. Um, and so in 2024 budget revenue, uh, sorry, the government introduced this new mortgage interest relief credit, where basically you can claim back 20% of the difference that you paid in um, mortgage interest repayments between the 2023 tax year and the 2022 tax year. Um, so that's going to be a huge difference to people who are on kind of tracker or variable mortgages and who saw those pay Payments uh, skyrocket in the year. 
um, <clears throat> that's up to 1,250 euros. So, you know, well, not a small amount yeah. at all. But again, you've got to tell revenue um, a- about that. Uh, and exactly. you, me- you mentioned the rent tax credit. I remember when that was introduced and, and we were talking about it. There was there was a slow take up of people applying yeah. for that. Is that still You're the right, same? You're right, Patricia. It, it's, it's still been slow. You're right. Yeah. So there's actually revenue of estimated that only 50 percent of those eligible to have claimed it for the 20 2022 tax year have actually claimed it. Um, and now I think there's a number of reasons for that. So the, the landlord does have to be registered with the RTB. Um, and there may be, you know, select cases of those landlords who unfortunately aren't uh, registered. And, and in my opinion, it shouldn't fall back on the renter to not be able to claim it if the landlord isn't registered. But to be honest with you, half of the landlords in Ireland aren't going to be not registered with mm. the RTB. So I think it's also just maybe people putting it off or maybe people not not wanting to go to their landlord to have a conversation in case that leads to a conversation of rent increase. But what some people might not know is that you can actually go to the RTB yourself and find their registration number yourself there. Um, and so you may be able to kind of go about it without actually having without the, yeah, that without, conversation. Yeah, without the landlord even knowing because it's between That's you it. and revenue. Uh, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't impact the the landlord in any way because I remember when it first came out we had a listener who contacted us and was fearful that her landlord would put up the rent by the amount of the tax credit and I was saying it's got nothing to do with your landlord. Exactly. It's not coming out of their pocket. It's coming out of the re- the tax that you pay um, you know, you're, you're, everyone's paying a huge amount of tax anyway. So that's why we have so many credits and reliefs in Ireland that you can actually claim back money on. But this is coming at no expense at all to the landlord. And another interesting one that's worth mentioning on that rent tax credit for any parents listening who've got a son or daughter in college and if they're paying for their accommodation. Exactly. Yes. So it's not necessarily just yourself. If you're paying for rent for a child who's in third level ed- education, you can claim that tax credit as well. OK, you mentioned on the mortgage uh, relief uh, that we spoke about, the mortgage interest relief. Um, Alan in Watercrest Hill says, can you claim that relief if you're on a fixed rate mortgage? So you technically can. Uh, it's, it's not limited to tracker and variables. It's just that those on a fixed rate, there may not have been a huge difference between 2023 and 2022. However, I'm sure that even people on fixed rates may still have seen small increases. And so any sort of extra that you paid, you can claim back 20 percent of. OK, people then you medical expenses. Now, th- this is the, this is the one you mentioned, the dental, for example. But this is a one yeah. where, you know, at some stage during the year, you probably did go to see a doctor. You may have ended up seeing a consultant. Uh, you, you know, you've spent money on medical expenses. Exactly, you, we really yeah. should be claiming back on these. We really should be. Yeah, these things, again, come at no small cost. You know, these these can be big amounts. And a lot of people think, you know, that they're going to be big expenses that you can claim back on. But it's any medical expense. So it's your GP visits. It's your prescription fees. Um, it's, it's any sort of, um, you know, doctor appointment that you have. And these are all things that, you know, maybe when you're paying them off, you're not you're not thinking about how much it kind of adds up, but it really does add up. So at the end of the year, you know, if you've paid even, you know, a couple of hundred euro, you can claim back 20 percent of that. Um, and and kind of looking within the kind of medical expenses as well, uh, often people who have dietary restrictions, so say celiacs who need to get gluten free option or diabetics who need to go for sugar free options, you can claim back 20 percent on 
the um, foods that you have to get in replacement of regular foods. And some of those foods can be way more expensive than, 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 the, than the normal uh, food. Now, many people are still working from home, either part time or uh, full time. Yeah. There are refunds available there. There are, yes. So across heating, electricity and broadband, that's actually a 30% that you can get back um, across each of them. Um, and that's, again, going to be a huge difference because as everyone who's paying for heating and electricity across Ireland knows, it's, it's not cheap. Um, and a lot of people, I think as well, this is one that's also hugely underutilised. And I think just because people think, oh, I can't be bothered going and kind of finding the expenses and, and adding it all up and figuring it out. But all you actually have to provide is the figure. So if you just add up exactly what you've paid in heating, electricity and broadband, you insert that in revenue. They'll do the work for you. Or if you decide to through a company like Taxback, again, we'll take care of it for you. Um, so it's, it's it's really not as big a thing as people think. Yeah. And especially when you look back at COVID times, a lot of people were working full time 2020 and 2021. Um, so it really could be a huge, a huge amount back. Um, and just to remind people that you can only claim back four years previously in Ireland. Uh, so by the end of this year, 2024, you'll no longer be able to claim for 2020. So if there are people who are working from home in 2020, I definitely recommend looking back over the receipts you paid. Thankfully for kind of those um, costs, they tend to be online. You, you yeah, hopefully should yeah. be able to access them fairly easily um, and, and look at claiming it back. OK, and if you if you got married last year, there's a tax yeah. refund there. There is exactly. So what happens when you get married in Ireland is that for the remainder of that tax year, you'll actually be taxed singly as you kind of were at the beginning of the year. So revenue just continue taxing you as they have done uh, for the remainder of that year. But for the majority of people out there, it's actually more financially beneficial to be taxed jointly. So a lot of people at the end of the year um, will find that they overpaid tax because they were taxing late when they actually should have paid less being taxed jointly and you can claim back that difference. Well, I was, un- I was unaware of that. And uh, yeah. for those, you know, who are not able to uh, apply themselves, that's where you guys at taxback.com can take a lot of the exactly. pain out of it. See, this is it. I've, I've mentioned kind of some of the most common ones on this call, but there are so, so, so many things that you can claim tax back on. And I think it really is, like I mentioned before, just a lack of knowledge. So, you know, this information is, of course, available online. There are plenty of people out there who are well, well versed in it and we're not kind of the service for them. But if you are someone who's been putting it on the long finger, putting it off because you just really can't be bothered or it's just a bit confusing, then we're kind of the people for you. Um, and you, you can go to our website, taxback.com, or we do have a free text service. Um, so you can free text the word refund to 50400 to kind of start the process that way. Yeah. And, and on average, what, what's the refund, generally speaking? Can so you put an average our average, our, our average here at Taxback is over €1,800. Euro. So, yeah, that's going to make a huge difference to the majority of people in Ireland. Um, and yeah, that's that's kind of when you look at all of the different credits and reliefs, because these are all kind of added building blocks. You know, they're not all going to be relevant to, to all people, but most people will have at least 
you know, a couple of credits that they can claim back on. Yeah, and they could be, if they've never done it before, they'll be claiming back over the last four years as well. Exactly. And actually that that, yeah. that free, um, that text number, because Mary's making the point, um, great listening to Rachel from Taxback, but the elephant in the room is having to do everything online. Uh, not all of us are computer literate and it can be a very complicated system. What about us who are not computer literate? Yeah, so we do also have um, um, paper systems as, as revenue do. So you can either do it through ourselves where we can um, post you out all of the forms and we can kind of do it that way. And, and a revenue would have options for that as well. Okay, um, you don't, you don't yeah. have to go on. It's easier to go online, but you don't have to go online. You don't have to go online. That's it, exactly. OK. Uh, and obviously this is uh, some of the, the busiest time of the year for you, I, I imagine. Uh, Rachel, Mary wants to know, are you able to claim uh, any tax relief on your private health insurance? So not on your private health insurance. Um, but e- even if you are insured, you can claim back um, a medical, you can claim back medical costs on anything that wasn't covered by health insurance. So let's say health insurance is covering 50% of your medical costs, then you can claim back 20% on, on, the, on, that on, the, other, on the other 50%. Not. And somebody else says, can exactly. you claim back on bin charges? You were able to do that at one stage, but that's gone, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It's gone. Yeah, unfortunately. Okay. All right. Okay. Listen, I'll leave it there, uh, Rachel. Thank you for that. And uh, thank you for joining us this morning. Good morning to you. That is uh, Rachel uh, Claffey, Claffey, sorry, of uh, taxback.com. Questions coming into the programme this morning. Tim Joe was on to say, Patricia, the government is not delivering. We were promised farm payments in November. We are still waiting for it. This is not good for farming, says uh, Tim. So during the news there at 11, I went on to gov.ie just to look up uh, what what's going on with fire payments and is there any reason for the delays? I did find a press release that was issued at the start of December and it goes through all of the various farm payments. I don't know which farm payment that Tim who's contacted us is talking about but they do talk about some of the schemes having unprecedented numbers applying for it and because of that it was putting pressure on the people at the department to process all of the pay, all of the payments and because of that all of the payments wouldn't be made before Christmas but they were hoping to have all of them issued by February which isn't the kind of news I think that Tim is uh, Tim wants to hear the, this morning but I don't know how many other farm families have been waiting on a farm payment and if you're waiting on a cheque in the post and it doesn't arrive I can fully understand particularly at a time in the lead up to Christmas if we were expecting a payment for Christmas and it doesn't arrive I can see the stress and the strain that that would put on a farm family 0818103103 Are there many others waiting for a farm uh, payment and have you any idea on when your cheque is going to uh, arrive and then a lovely message in from Morris uh, saying Happy New Year, many happy returns. Morris who says, having travelled to the McCroom Bypass a few times over the holiday period, I must say, a magnificent job was done. We the people who use it will never be able to thank Deputy Michael Creed enough for securing the funding for the project while he was at the Cabinet table, table all those years ago. It's a credit to his long service in politics and of course his long service in politics is coming to an end because uh, he has already, he's already one of many, there's a number of them now who have decided that they're not going to be running in the next general election. We're not expecting a general election this year, not to say that it won't happen, but certainly this time next year we'll be facing into a general election and you won't have Michael Creed's name on the ballot paper. So Morris anyway, uh, thrilled with the McCroom uh, bypass and we spoke about the McCroom bypass on uh, Tuesday and it's just, it was one of those things that was just so long 
overdue. I mean, you know, I've, I often talk about the fact that I'm now 33 years sitting in this seat doing this uh, programme and I think it was possibly one of the first interviews I did on the very early days of the show was talking about the need for a bypass former McCroom. So the people there have waited long, long time and it's a fantastic uh, road. Let's keep everybody safe uh, on it now. Thank you for your WhatsApp, uh, Maris. I was talking about shopping and how we're all told that we need to become smart shoppers in order to save money because supermarkets have started to cut hundreds of prices and there's speculation that there could be a bit of a supermarket price war and of course supermarkets are doing everything they can now that we're post uh, Christmas to take as much market share away from another supermarket and they do that through a mixture of cutting prices and also reducing their own margin just to get people inside the front door. Well Emer says she does all of her weekly shop in two different stores. She finds the supermarkets that have club cards, loyalty cards are vouchers. That's where she does the majority of her shopping because when you get to the till, she said for example with Tesco if you scan your club card you can get money off certain items you can end up saving about 10 euro on a range of uh, products and then the other store she shops in is Dunn's who give you money off that you can use then against your next uh, shop and she says she certainly finds that's the best way. She's getting great value that way and she tends to stick with uh, those. Well, we're being told in order to be smart shoppers, you need to move your money across all of the different stores. Now, you need to have a lot of time on your hands as well to work out who's offering the cheapest price on a particular item. 0818 103 103. We were talking about vaping in the last hour and unfortunately there is an increase in young people vaping. And I was making the point to um, Aaron, the principal, from uh, Cork City, um, Aaron Wolf. That everywhere you go now, you can you can pick up vapes. I mean, I think every garage now sells vapes. Most corner shops um, have them. Well, John was on from the city, and he said at the moment, Patrick Street in Cork City, which was once the premier shopping street in Cork, it's now full of sports shops and vape shops. With more vape shops shops opening, doesn't just show how many people are now vaping. Years ago, when John worked in Roach's stores, he remembered there was a thing called a lease list and that was for people who wanted to open a store or who wanted to lease a building on Patrick Street uh, there was a list of people waiting so as soon as the shop became available I don't know what was next on the list was uh, allowed to get it he said he doubts if that's there now when you look at Patrick Street now full of sports shops and vape shops Caroline said she caught her son vaping recently he was out with his friends and his buddies in the local town and uh, Caroline, he didn't know the mammy was out. Caroline walked around the corner and there he was puffing away to beat the bandwagon on his uh, vape. Caroline was taken aback because she didn't realise he was vaping. She worries about the harm later on in life that can be caused, particularly for young people who start vaping so young. Her son, by the way, is only 15 and when she quizzed him, he bought the vape in a local shop and he said that she, he said that he'd no problem at all. Well, he should have a problem now, certainly since just before, it was Christmas week, I think it was the 18th or the 18th, uh, it came in that is now illegal so that local shop should not be selling your 15 euro 
nine-year-old son uh, a vape. But it kind of ties in with what Aaron Wolf, the principal, was saying. For them as teachers, it's very hard for them to work out who's vaping and who's not vaping because there isn't any smell from it. And obviously Caroline uh, was completely unaware that her son was vaping and he was vaping out on the streets with his friends, Caroline. You can be guaranteed when he was home in the comfort of his own bedroom or inside in the bathroom, you can guarantee he's been vaping there as well and you're just not picking up the smell. Whereas if he'd been smoking cigarettes and if you're not a smoker, you definitely would have been able to tell if he was smoking uh, or not. But it's a bit of a shock for Caroline. Uh, 0818 103 103. Well, hopefully now with the ban on the sale of vapes to under 18, maybe, maybe your son now won't be able to get his hands on the vape, even though as Aaron the principal said back in the day uh, when young people took up smoking and I had to put my hand up and say I was a teenager who started smoking and did it absolutely because of peer pressure everybody else was doing it it seemed like the coolest thing in the world to do and I remember in those early days as a teenager smoking I absolutely hated them but I thought it was the cool thing the in thing to do and how I wish I had never put that first cigarette in my mouth it took me years before I was eventually able to uh, kick the habit and of course vaping now it's nicotine so people are addicted to nicotine and young people are going to find it equally as hard to give up the, the vapes because they can get addicted so quickly to it 0818 103 103 an interesting thing on NCTs that we all have to get on our cars of a certain age would people be surprised to hear that nearly half the 1.5 million vehicles that were given a full NCT test last year failed it just showed that nearly half passed uh, as well. And these are figures that have been released from the National Car Testing uh, Service. Now, NCT, would you believe, has been with us since the year 2000. I would have thought 2010. It's been there since uh, 2000. So uh, over 23 years we've been having cars uh, tested. The reason it was introduced and is still in place, it's to reduce the number of road deaths by identifying defects in vehicles. They're looking for things like faulty brakes, they're looking for worn tyres, defective headlights, and you, it's conducted every two years uh, for vehicles under the under 10, I think it's after four, isn't it, when if you buy a new car, uh, and then if you have a car that's over 10 years, you've got to go for an NCT every year. Steering and suspension problems were the main reason that vehicles faced their full NCT tests last year and just under 15% of cars failed because of steering and suspension problems and I straight away would question the reason for bad steering and suspension problems. Could that be to do with the condition of the roads that the person who owns that vehicle is travelling uh, travelling on? If they're on a road that is full of uh, potholes and is undulating um, because the road is in such bad condition, it is of course going to affect the uh, suspension. So I I will be pointing the finger of blame on the condition of the roads that that person and those people are driving on. Lighting and electrical, that came in as second. Other failures were down to wheels and tyres, 10%. Now that's an individual, now obviously themselves not checking their own tyres. And then the brake test, just under 10% failed on the brake test. That would be a worry. Now a dangerous fail, that's uh, classed as where a vehicle has failed the test because of a dangerous defect that poses, uh, poses a direct or immediate risk to road safety. They are the really, really uh, serious ones. And of course, it's illegal in this country to drive a vehicle that has a, a dangerous a defect uh, in it. And they list out the top five dangerous fail areas. And actually, one of our own in Cork makes the top five. Little Island in Cork was the fifth highest test centre 
for dangerous fails. And then they do a breakdown. I don't know if they do this every year. Certainly my first year coming across it. They do a breakdown on the make of cars that are most likely to fail or to pass. A Chevrolet, Chevrolet vehicles had the most NCT fails, 69% failed, followed by Chrysler, Citroen, Daihatsu and a Saab came in at 55% of Saabs failed. And then for the NCT passes by car makes last year, Porsche came out as the top 65% of Porsches sailed through their NCT, NCT test, followed by Lexus, 62%, Seat, 59%, Land Rover, 58% passed, and Hyundai, 72% uh, passed. And a spokesperson for Atlas, and of course, Atlas is the Spanish company that operates our NCT. Uh, they say that the NCT pass and fail rates have consistently been approximately. since the introduction of the first NCT. So it's always been about half pass and about half uh, pay, uh, half fail. They did see uh, a small increase in the pass rate though during the COVID period and they attribute that to lower vehicle usage so therefore there would have been lower wear and tear on the cars in between tests and they also say that their waiting list for appointments for the NCT they say it was effectively eliminated before Christmas although they recognise that we're now as we're into the start of the new year. We're now entering the busiest period for NCT as vehicles are due on the anniversary of their registration and vehicles tend to be purchased at the earlier time of the year. So if you're trying to get an NCT test now, trying to get one quickly, you may have a bit of uh, a wait. Uh, But about half uh, actually fail uh, the test last year and that's been consistent since the NCT was introduced in the year 2000. 0818 103 103. Your lines are open. C103 Jobs. Trainee accountant are a part qualified accountant is required. It's a full-time position in the new market area. Now, duties will include payroll, VAT, accounts preparation, CRO and tax returns. CV to reception at O'LearyCo.ie. Balancholic coaches, they're looking for drivers with a D licence, please. It's for school transport and private hire. You can contact Balancholic coaches on 021 Four eight seven three eight two eight. Monster Fire and Safety in Mill Street are looking for two people to join their fire protection service team, maintaining extinguishers and fire alarm systems. CVs and a cover letter, uh, please, to Claire at MonsterFireAndSafety.com. And you need to have your application in by Friday, the 20th of January. And Nazareth House Nursing Home are looking for an activities coordinator to organise a varied and interesting programme of activities. A good working knowledge of computers and IT skills is required. CVs, please, to hr.mallow at nazarethcare.com. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. cmig.ie. McCarthy are investigating a possible German connection as part of a renewed attempt to try to solve the mystery 
of what happened to Fomoy couple Connor and Sheila Dwyer who went missing in 1991. Ralph Regal of the Irish Independent joins me with the latest on this uh, story. Good morning to you, Ralph. Good morning, Patricia. And Happy New Year to you. And many happy returns. Now, we need to go back almost 33 years uh, ago. So I suppose, talk us through what is known about the disappearance of Connor and Sheila Dwyer, who it looks like on paper as if they vanished into thin air. Yeah, very much so. Uh, Connor was uh, 62 years old. His wife was 61. And they were last seen on April the 30th, 1991. Now, they were seen by a local girl, Catherine Fenton, um, as they went to Requiem Mass in in, uh, St. Patrick's Church in Formoy. Now, they lived in Chapel Hill, which is literally in the shadow of the main church in Formoy. Um, They were seen going to this funeral mass and they have never been seen since. Now, there was telephone contact, I think, in the days afterwards with family members but then all contact ceased um, and when the family were unable to contact either Connor or Sheila they went to the Gardaí now Gardaí went to the, the, the family home at Chapel Hill there was no sign of forced entry Gardaí gained access to the property they found no suitcases were missing all the clothing was inside all bank details were there or travel documents in actual fact they found a metal biscuit tin that was full that had a significant quantity of cash in it in it so there was mail was unopened by the front door so there was no indication that the couple had planned a trip that they had left in a hurry or that there was any kind of disturbance in the house and despite a major guard investigation which even included um for its day it was quite a dramatic development that they had a major recreation of um connor and sheila dwyer um using actors they had the white toyota cressida car that connor had driven they they used that as part of a recreate a recreation of the, the, the their their suspected last known movements but there was been no clue there's been no confirmed sighting there's been no indication nothing to um, give any kind of a, a, an insight into what actually happened to the it's, couple. It's incredible. And, you know, the fact, as you say, the way the Gardaí described the way the house was left intact, it was as if they had decided to go out for a drive or to go on an errand. Yeah, very much so. And I, I really can't put it any better than um, the, the investigation at the time was was one of the, the senior officers and it was Sergeant Joe Watkins who was based in from Garda Station and he basically said it's you know to use a Star Trek reference it was almost as if beam me up Scotty mm. it's as if literally they just vanished from the planet there's been no confirmed sighting of them there's been no paper trace uh, there's been nothing whatsoever to indicate where what might have happened to them or where they might have gone and of course I suppose we're talking about 1991 so Gardy unfortunately didn't have the benefit of CCTV yeah. security camera footage and that really has evolved into an enormously strategic tool, investigative tool for um, Gardaí. And we've seen how many cases in Ireland over recent years where CCTV camera footage has been absolutely crucial to pointing Gardaí in the right direction. They didn't have that, that in, in, in 1991. And the, no. the, the car, this Toyota Cressida, that I believe was quite a distinctive car, but no sightings of the car. 
Yeah, again, I mean, you, you have various models. You know, probably Toyota Corollas, and they're they're one of the most common cars on the Irish roads. But the Cressida was a kind of a unique model. It was more of a of a kind of a, a very very upmarket Toyota, and and this one was was um, snowflake white. So it was a very distinctive car. And Connor Dwyer was a very um, hard-working, very meticulous man. So the car was always maintained in a pristine condition. But there has been no trace of the car, um, of what happened to it. Now, Gardy have always said that they believe finding the car would be critical to solving this case. But there has been no trace of it. There's been no sighting of it. Gardy checked train stations, bus stations, ports, uh, no sign of it being abandoned. They checked various places where cars might be abandoned. No sign of it there either. And they even went to the lengths of actually contacting motor factors, dealers and scrappage yards to see had anyone attempted to sell parts or even the old chassis of a Toyota Cressida all Nothing. without any joy. Nothing. Oh, it's, and, and, and I remember at one stage a number of years ago, there was a car found in the river, but sadly, and I remember at the time people were thinking, could this be the uh, DeWires? But of course it wasn't. No, and again, that's a very interesting point that you raised, Patricia, because of course, that what the, the the disappearance of Connor and Sheila Dwyer in um, April and 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 May of 1991. That wasn't the, the first disappearance or mysterious disappearance in Fermoy, because of course, in March of 1990, a, a local businessman and councillor, uh, Bill Fennessy, had vanished. Now he. All, he vanished alongside his car, which was a Daihatsu Charade. And back in 2012, and the Sabacqua Club in Fermoy were conducting exercises in the River Blackwater. And as they were about to finish their exercise, one member looked. And of course, there had been heavy flooding in the River Blackwater in the previous weeks and months. And the part of the riverbed had shifted. And the individual saw what he thought was the outline of a car in heavy silt on the north bank of the, the river. And when they went down to investigate, sure enough, it actually was a car. Further investigations revealed that that car was a Daihatsu charade. And when the charade was examined and excavated, sure enough, it was confirmed to have been the car driven by Bill Fennessy. And Mr. Fennessy's remains were actually recovered from the vehicle. Yeah. And then this connection to uh, Germany that I mentioned in the introduction, that there's, I suppose there's two reasons for that. Um, Connor had worked for a German, German businessman who had been living in the area. But there was also a sighting, wasn't there, or an alleged sighting of the couple in Munich. There was, Patricia, and I think the reason why the guards are looking, essentially what has happened over, the the file has always been open and active, but but what has happened over recent months is that Gardaí have gone back and started looking at the file. They've re-interviewed, spoken to some of the the, the original officers that were involved in the investigation, and they're looking to talk to some of the the, the key individuals that had given them um, statements at the time. Now, Mr. Dwyer worked for a, a German businessman called Fritz Wolf. He was a multimillionaire who had a property in Castle Lyons. And Connor Dwyer worked as a chauffeur and as a kind of a general handyman for um, Mr. Wolf. What he would do is he would maintain his fleet of luxury cars. Connor Dwyer would, would, would actually be quite a high visible. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. 
You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quite a high visibility in Formoy in that people would see him driving these luxurious vehicles, which are part of Mr. Wolf's fleet, around Formoy. Now, Mr. Wolf, the property was sold subsequently, and we understand that he moved back to Germany. So I think what the Guardi are doing is they're looking long and hard to see, was there anything to do with Connor Dwyer's work? Maybe someone had, had heard something or there was something about his demeanor or things like that that might give them some, some kind of an inkling about what had, what had led to the disappearance. And of course, as you mentioned, there was a reported sighting um, of a couple in the Munich area. Now, Gardi investigated that with the German police, and they came to the conclusion that it was not Connor and Sheila Dwyer, that it was a mistaken sighting. Very well-intentioned. They said that the people that reported it genuinely believed that it could have been them, but Gardi are satisfied that it wasn't. Okay, and like when when I spoke with you on Christmas week, when we were remembering Sophie just gone to Plantier, we spoke about the fact that a number of witnesses and people who would have been investigating uh, the case of the Dwyers at the time, they're no longer with us. So that makes it a little bit harder, doesn't it? It it certainly does. I mean, it's a very difficult case that that, that Gardaí face. I mean, there's always hope and I think it's important to stress that. But number one, you have the lack of any kind of forensic evidence. Number two, you have the passage of time. Uh, We're talking about it'll be almost uh, 33 years uh, at this point. And of course, over that period of time, the key individuals, a good number of key individuals who offered evidence to Gardaí back in 1991 and 92, they've actually passed away. So essentially, all Gardaí have to work with is the statements that the, the, those people provided. Again, they're saying they're looking at it. They're going back over the file. There may be new leads. There may be something which was identified at the time, but maybe its its true importance wasn't quite realised. So certainly there's a team of detectives in from Oigarda Station looking long and hard at this. Okay, and what's so strange is the fact that both of them uh, went uh, missing, even though anyone who knew them at the time, Ralph always spoke about them, they were inseparable. Yeah, very much so. And I think that's what, you know, I mean, sadly, uh, in society, we do have people that go missing. Uh, I mean, I, I get alerts, you know, sometimes several times a week about missing persons coming from the Garda press office. In most cases, thankfully, they're resolved safely. But, you know, it's an awful thing for a family when someone is missing and they don't have an idea about what's involved. But when you have a couple that have vanished, and I think it's, it's worth remembering that Connor and Sheila Dwyer, they had two children. So, you know, your your hearts do go out to them. I mean, I think they deserve some form of closure in terms of knowing what happened. Now, Gardy are certainly doing everything they can to try and give that type of closure. But it remains to be seen whether, you know, the obstacles may be 
just too great to overcome in terms of the passage of time, the passing of various key witnesses, and the, just the total lack of, of, of evidence uh, as to regards what, what under what precise circumstances did this couple vanish. Okay, and, and at the time of their disappearance, they, their, their children were living overseas. They, they weren't at home at that stage. Isn't that right? No, no, they certainly weren't living in Formoy. Now, my yeah. understanding is that I think one of one of the, the children is now based overseas, and I think the last, I heard it, the other one was somewhere up around the west of Ireland. Oh, okay. But again, you know, it's like the, there's, there's an extended family there as well. So, I mean, but Connor and Sheila, they were from two very close-knit families, and I think they also deserve some form of closure. So certainly, sure. Gardy are hoping For that sure. this cold case review might might offer something. And just very finally, somebody's wondering what what happened to the family home that was eventually sold? It, it was indeed. Um, a, oh my, I, I think, Jeannie Mac, I think probably 15 to 20 years ago, as I recall, Patricia, don't hold me to that time frame, yeah. but I think that's what we're talking about, is that Connor and Sheila Dwyer, uh, there was a legal application in terms of the fact that there's been no tracing of them. So that enabled the sale of the property at Chapel Hill. Yeah. OK, listen, I appreciate that. Thank you for that, uh, Ralph, and thanks for joining us. Not a bother. Thanks, uh, Good Cheers. morning to you. That is uh, Ralph Regal of the Irish Independent, remembering the uh, case of Connor and Sheila uh, Dwyer. I mean, I, I was just, I was reflecting on this ye- yesterday when I knew Ralph was going to be joining us. You know, the fact that when Connor and Sheila went missing, they were uh, 62 and uh, 61, uh, respectively. So, you know, if they were alive today, they'd be a 94 year old woman and a 95 year old uh, man. Uh, and you just think of their two sons and the other family members. And, you know, they were well known in the area. They must have had a lot of friends. But I suppose over the passage of time, there'll be less and less people who will have remembered Connor and uh, Sheila Dwyer outside of their immediate family. But it would be fa- great for that family, for their children and their other, their siblings. Uh, who I'm, I, I don't know if many of them are, are still alive, but it would be great for them to get some kind of closure on this particular case. I'm going to abandon Guard the Station for this week's Guard the Fire where I'm joined by Gartha James Masters. Uh, good morning to you, James. Good morning, Patricia. And you, I'm very well and Happy Thanks. New Year to you and uh, and everyone at uh, Abandoned Garda Station. Now, uh, firstly, you want to start with a, a thank you to the public for their assistance over Christmas. Yes, that's right, um, Patricia. Um, I suppose we've had an awful lot of interaction with the public uh, over the Christmas period. There was a massive community spirit, as usual, um, organising um, tractor runs and walks and gatherings for charity and just people giving up their free time to, to uh, I suppose, to man these events. Um, there's such goodwill out there. We just sincerely like to thank the public for all their assistance throughout the Christmas period, Patricia. Yeah, I saw photographs of the Kill Britain band and run. Yes. My goodness, that's massive every year, isn't it? Massive, yeah. It seems to get bigger and bigger. It's it's fantastic. And of course, it's all in such uh, a great cause. It's to help children with lo- uh, autism in, autism, in the local schools. So, yeah, great will there. Yeah, so well, right. well, well done to everyone who took part yes. there. Now, this is an unusual theft. A fixed binocular. Yes, very unusual, Patricia. Um, there's actually a number of these. Um, there's actually a number of these ar- ar- around, Patricia. Um, this particular one, there was um, a fixed binocular stand, including a binocular, it was stolen between the road uh, between Clonakilty and Ring. Um, there, I suppose, I suppose it's unusual in that it's bolted to a concrete base, mm. and um, there's actually two of these. There's one on the model village that's still there. And also on the causeways um, on the way to Inchidani. Um So I suppose the only the only thing is that there's a specific time frame in that it was six or seven days between the 14th of December 2023 and the 19th of December 2023. Now it would have taken quite a while, 
for a person to take this Patricia because it's, it's, it's a very big um, in stature um, and as I said it's bolted to concrete base but I suppose we're looking for assistance to see if anyone did see a van or a car pull up and take quite a time to, to, to load this into their vehicle you know Yeah um, and, and I imagine because of you say the weight of it probably more than one person may be involved Yes um, yeah. yes um, and as I said, there is three of them there, and it would have taken them quite amount of time to to put this in their vehicle. So, um, it, as you said, it's quite an unusual one. But yeah. if, if if the public can be assistance, um, Clonakilty Garda Station, if they could contact them with any information, would be great, Patricia. Okay, and it's in that lead up to Christmas, the fourteenth to the nineteenth of December. You may now That's they right. they may have wore high vis vests to make them look like they were just working on it, but as you say, they would have been there for quite some time. It wasn't a case of just pulling up in the van, grabbing it, and. And, and been and a way off with them. Yeah, that's it. And it's not one that they can probably pull from the ground either, Patricia. They probably use some device to 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 because it, it is bolted to the ground, so it would be a particularly hard one to move, Patricia. And keep a lookout for it if it comes up up for sale, because it's not something you'd see coming up for sale very often. No, very unusual. Yeah, it's a, it's a very unusual one. And as I said, there is three. Um, you know, so we'll obviously keep an eye on the other two as well. Um, one is gone, but um. Yeah, it's just if if they do see it or if they if they do think of anything that they've you know come across, then we'd be delighted to hear from them. Okay, now there was uh, unfortunately a number of uh, burglaries. This is going back to November of yeah. uh, last year uh, from Oi Mitchellstown areas. That's correct. Um, three burglaries um, between the twenty third and twenty fourth of November two thousand twenty three. I suppose the first two, um, first one was on the twenty third of the eleventh twenty three. Uh, between one um, ten p.m. and seven p.m. at a house um, in Kilglock near Kilworth, um, entry was gained and there was jewellery and, and money taken there, Patricia. And the second one was between six p.m. on the twenty-third, the eleventh, and two thirty p.m. on the twenty-fourth, eleventh. Similar again, a uh, house in um, Kilavara in. Kilworth, um, entry gained again and jewellery and cash taken as well. Um, could be a very similar time frame there, Patricia, for the two of them. The third one was on the 24th to the 11th, so a day later. Now, more specific times between 1pm and 3pm at a house in uh, Flemingstown in Mitchelltown. Uh, entry gained again. Um, now, there was a spotting of um, a silver vehicle around that time, Patricia, so um, were particularly, I suppose, um, in around the, the, the Kilworth area on the 23rd and 24th and the Flemingstown area in Mitchelltown on the 24th as well. Um, if they have any um, sightings of any vehicles or people acting suspicious, the contact from Wild Garda Station for the first two and Mitchelltown for the third one, Patricia. And a lot of people have dash cams in their car, so they, they may have something on dash cam footage. That's it, correct. And I suppose especially the third one, there is a specific time there of two hours, so um, yeah. it's more defined. Um, I suppose just in relation to crime prevention advice, um, you know, we're obviously making sure when you're leaving the house that your doors and windows are locked. Um, if you do have an alarm, to make sure and set it. And outside lighting, Patricia, or a timer inside or sensor lights outside, they're all, the turns are all, they're all valuable uh, in relation to um, trying to stop crime, you know. Okay, and then on Christmas week, there was a trailer that was uh, stolen in the early hours of the 21st of December. Yes, um, this happened in Ballandesk and Watergrass Hill. Um, Now, again, specific times, uh, 2am to 2.45am on the 21st of the 12th. um, it appears that um, they gained entry from an adjacent field um, where they cut down a boundary hen- uh, hedging 
and they exit the property with the with the with the trailer, Patricia. Um, trailer itself, it's it, it's it's a big um, it's a big one axle trailer, Patricia. Um, so you would notice something if you were coming home from work or if you were driving around at that time. Now I know there's not too many vehicles around, but maybe Christmas period you could have been driving around. Uh, if you did something see something specific, contact um, contact the car station in Fromoy uh, with any information possible. Okay, tools mm. uh, were taken and I, and I always feel for tradesmen when, yes. when their tools were taken because, you know, it can uh, stop them getting back to work. Yes, this actually happened, it's Shanaway Middle in um, Ballinine, Patricia. Um, again, the date, Christmas Day, the 25th of the 12th, 2023 to the 26th of the 12th from midday to midday so a 24-hour period there, there was a number of expensive um, tools taken from a locked container overnight. Uh, well, we think it was overnight. Um, I suppose if members of the public are asked if they want any tools or if they did see anything in specific um, in that area around that time to contact Ballinine or Bandon Garda Station with any information, we'd be delighted. Okay, and proving that on the dates there, 25th, 26th, yes. that criminals don't even take time off no, uh, for no, Christmas, no, unfortunately. unfortunately. Now, yes. we're into the new year and a lot of people are uh, have goals set and priorities set of which a lot of them is about getting fit. And you can already start to see, uh, as I'm coming to work in the morning and certainly in the evening times, you can see more and more people are out and about, yes. walking, jogging, just, just trying to get fit. People need to be careful. Yes, I think we're all trying to get fit. Um, <laughs> but just, uh, come, coming into January there now, um, yeah, um, I think we, we've spoken about this before. Um, it's just very important with the with the with the dark evenings um, and in the mornings, as you said, um, people are back walking, cycling the roads, um, just to make sure um, that they have a high vis on, or if they're walking, to have a, a torch. And I know we we um, spoke about this in the, in one of the last shows in relation to a dog. Even if you have them on the lead, try to have some reflective here on the dog as well, um, because quite often the car will will see the person, but they mightn't see the dog that's on the lead. You know, um, we'd we'd also ask that the members of the public just don't presume that you are seen when you're walking or crossing the road. Um, it's very important this time of year. Um, we have high visibility jackets in most car stations. I know they're in Bandon Garden Station under the Christmas tree in the public office so people are quite entitled to come in here and ask for them and take them um, and it's just something that we're, we're I suppose keen to let the public know because um, again it's so dark in the evenings and it yeah. can be dreary at times you know. And, and it's, it's, it's to get into the habit of putting, it, putting on one of those high-vis vests every time you go out because you could go out and it'll be nice and bright and then the evenings close in so quickly. Exactly, that's it. And the reflectives are great in that once the light shines in them, you know, you'll see them a mile away. And like what I do notice when we are on patrol, we see an awful lot of people with torches now and they're absolutely brilliant. You know, they might give us a little um, flicker, maybe, you know, 100 yards down the road just to say that they're there. You know, they pull in at the side of the road, they wait for us to pass and everything's great. Um, but as I said, it's, it's, it's the most important thing from what we're concerned. You just don't presume, you know, that the cars will see you or if you're crossing on a main busy road in Bandon or Middleton or wherever the case may be, just make sure that you see the driver and they're, they're aware of you because, you know, there's sometimes people do presume that they'll be seen and they're not, you know. Yeah, and actually we were talking at the, the one of the first programmes back on, on Tuesday after Christmas, we were talking about the, you know, the, the provisional figures are out on the number of people. Unfortunately, yeah. 184 people were killed last year, but my goodness, the number of them that were pedestrians um, was yeah. just, it, it's shocking, isn't it? It is 
shocking and, and like that maybe built up areas where there's people crossing the road you know and um, I suppose sometimes you just presume that they'll see you and they'll cr- you'll cross the road and that's it but um, but just uh, you know as I said um, even make eye contact with the person crossing the road you know I'm crossing the road here and and away they go you know um, but um, yeah you can't take any chances that's for no. sure alright listen uh, James thank you for that no, have a lovely no week thank and you, thanks uh, for joining us uh, good morning to you that is Garda James Masters who joins us from Bandon uh, Garda Station and somebody was on earlier by uh, WhatsApp about Christmas trees taking down the Christmas decorations today what do I do with my Christmas tree we actually mentioned this yesterday I don't know where that WhatsApper is WhatsApping uh, from but if you're certainly if you're in the West Cork area hold on to it until Sunday uh, because the, the Bandon and a skiing development association they have a big family fun day going on next Sunday they're going green it's a fundraising campaign for the station house and actually they're asking people to bring their Christmas trees between 11am and 4pm to uh, Ballinin where they can you can have it mulched and the local schools uh, will benefit from the from the mulch and they're going to give it to the local tidy towns group I think that is a great uh, initiative that's for people in and around uh, Ballinin next Sunday but outside of that uh, all of the city Civic community sites in the county. Uh, you're going to have to check what day the civic community site is open. But whatever your civic community site is, uh, they will accept your Christmas uh, tree, and it's free of charge, no charge on behalf of the council. And that's across all of Cork County Council civic community sites, up to and including the 31st of January. So any day, but just check first. Go online and check because we know there was a time where all the civic community sites were open Monday to Friday, but of course that's not the case anymore. So there are open on certain days and closed on other days and I don't want people to turn up at their local civic community site with the tree only to discover that it is closed so check online first at Cork County Council civic community sites but free of charge they will accept your trees in a number of places across the city as well on behalf of the Cork City Council accepting your trees please dispose of your tree your Christmas trees responsibly Cork today on C103 with Corrigan Insurance's McCr- Room, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. C103's Irish Sunday is the big show on your radio. Sunday mornings from 10. Four hours of all-time favourites from Michael English to Claudia Buckley. Mary Black to Declan Nurney. And the High Kings to Louise Morrissey. It's Cork's greatest hits, guaranteed. And everyone is Irish. Join us Sunday mornings from 10am on C103. Some of your calls and comments coming into the bug and we were talking about supermarkets and the fact that they're looks like between the larger supermarkets there will be some kind of a price war uh, going on and it's as a direct result of reduction for production costs and they're now passing it on to consumers so good news all round and we're being advised to be smart shoppers and to check out the prices in all of the different supermarkets. When Anne got on to us to say, Patricia, don't forget the small grocery store. I found that my small grocery store is a lot cheaper for groceries than a lot of the main supermarkets are uh, and that's worth pointing out. It absolutely is and, and actually that came up on the programme somebody after Christmas contacted us I think it was on Tuesday who made that very same point who said that they deliberately went and targeted small shops independent stores and couldn't get over the savings that were to be had We've got, I think we all have this view that it's all the larger multinationals are the ones offering the best choice and the best prices but it's not always the case and your small independent grocery store can give you great great value and they're the stores that we need to keep open so thank you Anne for your t- 
text. We were talking about the electricity uh, credits. A listener was on to say, could you find out for me, please, when will we get our money for our electricity credit from the government? We're in our 80s. My daughter has already had her first credit off her bill and she's waiting now on the next bill to get her second credit. We've had nada, says this couple. Okay, I know before Christmas we looked into this because we were told that the first credit was dropping into accounts on the 1st of December with the second one on the 1st of January and then the third one I think is on the 1st of March and we had a number of people whose bills came in in uh, December and the credit hadn't been taken off uh, and when we looked into it it was just to do with the timing of the bills from the utility companies but what we were told would happen for those particular uh, families and households that when they get their next bill there'll be a double one on it there'll be the two 150s there'll be the one from the 1st of December and the one from the 1st of January so I'm assuming that that's what's happened in this case now if you get a second bill and your credits aren't on it then it's your utility company you have to contact it isn't anyone with the government because it's the government are on to the utility companies and every utility company then uh, divvies, is, puts the money onto the account so it's you, you I don't know which utility company I know who you get your electricity from but they are the ones you're going to need to contact but wait until your next bill uh, comes and hopefully it'll be the case it's just to do with the timing of your bill and you'll have two energy credits on your next one 0818103103 I can see a lot of commentary coming in on the NCTs I'll get back to that in a minute because I want to return to a topic that we spoke about yesterday and this was to do with Ubers and bringing Uber uh, why don't we have Uber particularly in rural area and it was an issue that was raised by Senator Garrett O'Hearn who is a Fine Gael Senator based in South Tipperary and he was saying over Christmas in very rural parts of Tipperary not enough taxis, not enough hackneys and because of that uh, people had to cancel social socialising with family and friends people were curtailed on the shopping that they could do and he was saying it's bad for the economies in rural areas if when we don't have enough taxis in Hackney's and surely Uber would be the answer. Well, Martin is a taxi driver in the city and uh, he heard us talking about this yesterday and he's contacted us. Uh, good afternoon to you, Martin. Good afternoon, Patricia. Now, your point is that Uber, you feel, is not the answer to the lack of taxis. Well, I am a taxi driver in the city, Patricia. But I'm from the country. I'm a neighbour of, um, I'm from Menanbridge. I'm a neighbour of Tim Numbers. Okay. And I saw Tim Numbers' article on the Southern Star last weekend. And I, 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 I rang up Tim and I just corrected him on a few issues. I mean, I have, I have the article in front of me and he said, it said, Tim, he is, Tim Numbers, he is calling for Uber to be allowed to operate in Ireland. No, going down that road is, is, is a very dangerous route to go down. Why? Right? Number one, a lot of people that I have in my car, we get talking about this and talking about that. And it comes up the other time about Uber and and a lot of girls have got Uber in other countries and they don't they don't know that Uber you could have a criminal record and get a job work uh, driving a taxi for Uber. Who told Did you, you that? Did you know that? Who who told you that? It's a fact. Well, I, I checked with uh, Uber and Uber drivers um, are vetted through what's called a multi-step process that includes a review of their driving record, criminal background check and a vehicle uh, not, in, in inspection. Not everyone, Patricia, not everyone. Well, and, and I'm I even know... I'm open to correction on, 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 in some countries, maybe. But what Tim, Tim was open to correction and I corrected him. And from my point of view... Right, we'll get away from the fact so that, that Uber 
Oh, and actually, people. and actually, while, while that was Uber in other countries, where I had to check uh, what was going on. And it was right across the board. It was in America. It was in the UK. It was right across Europe that they are all vetted. And then we checked with Angarda Siakona and they say before you start driving with Uber, you have to be approved by uh, Angarda Siakona and they look for a list of things. So it isn't simply somebody can just rock up. OK, so leave that out of the way. They are, they are, they are vetted. They are vetted. OK, what's, what's your next concern? My next concern is I'm with Freno and it's not I'm with Freno the app Freno and yeah. I'm hearing everything about Uber I mean one sen- Senator Tim Number and the Southern Star and, sen- and uh, another Senator you mentioned there I forget his name Gareth Ahern yeah Gareth Ahern I guarantee you if I went to Bendon Tim, Tim Number's constituency whatever Kinsale or Bendon with my Freno next weekend I w- I'd be lucky if I got one job for the whole night and that's an app but I know if people didn't know that the app was there. But the point I'm making is, Patricia, in towns, what Tim Lombard was saying is that in the towns, he said, from Kinsale to Castletown Bear in his article, and I have it here in front of me, that you, you can't get a taxi and, and people aren't going out by night. You must remember that people's socialising habits are after changing massively in the last four or five years, and, and more so since, since um, COVID. People are not going out as much it's cheaper to drink at home. The cost of going out now is I had one guy in the car on Saturday night and he was he said 130 euro uh, himself and the wife, 260 euro between paying for babysitters, having their meal and having their, having their drink, few drinks after, paying for a babysitter and then the taxi home. And he said the taxi home was the cheapest part of the 20 euro. Yeah, but but there are other people then who can afford to go out, Martin, who have stated that the reason they can't go out is they live in a rural area and they won't be able to get a taxi uh, taxi yeah. home. And well, yesterday when we brought yeah. it up, we had lots of people contacting us saying all of their socialising over Christmas had to be changed because unless they could get a designated driver, they knew they weren't going to be able to get a taxi. And in particular, I, I know you're working in the city. The city is different. But if you're in a very rural area, talk to any of the publicans uh, who in a rural pub and they'll tell you they end up acting as, as a taxi trying to bring their customers home well, they hang, can't. On, hang on oh, Patricia it's, it's, it's been a, a lifelong thing like very hard to get home from a, a country pub I don't mean a town a pub in a town I mean in the countryside it's, it's, and there's no app or there's no service going to rectify that 100% it's always going to be an issue to try and get, a ho- get home from a, a pub that's uh, in the middle of nowhere we'll say yeah, but the towns in the county are now saying they're affected. It isn't just a rural okay. pub in the middle okay. of nowhere. Okay. Right. You have Mallow, Cantark, Newmarket, Bandon, Kinsale, okay. Connacilty. All of those towns are saying, people living in those towns are saying, we can't get a taxi. Well, I don't know about Narcock, but I can, I can, I can speak for Kinsale because I, I often went to the White Lady and Beckus and all these nightclubs 20 and 30 years ago when I was on the, going out, you know, but there's no nightclub in Kinsale now, and there's no late night bar. So you've got everybody coming out of the. Everybody likes to stay in a pub until, until closing time. Not everybody, but a lot of people do. And the younger generation, I've heard it from my own young fella, he's 19 years old. He said a lot of his friends are going to Bend now because there's a, there's a late night bar or there's a nightclub there. And do Kinsale want? Do Kinsale want the business? I'm just, I'm just wondering. Well, we had, we had someone before before Christmas who at nine o'clock at night was trying to get home after a meal and a few drinks in Kinsale and couldn't get a taxi. And that was yeah. at nine o'clock. But, but come here, 
in all these towns, the, the, the bases are practically gone from Cork City because the apps are after taking over. Yeah. But you need to book a taxi in a town. And if you, I guarantee you, if you book your taxi, try and get home before the mad rush. If you can book your taxi before uh, around a half, 10, 11, I know everybody won't want to go home at that time. But if they went out an hour earlier and come home an hour earlier, and if they... They will get a booking. I am 90% certain that they will get a booking. Okay, but would would allowing Uber come into rural areas, would that not help to pick up some no. of the uh, of of the flack and because people who would no. be operating as Uber would be picking the hours that they want to work, yeah. and they would be available, and you would have maybe students who want to work on Saturday and Sunday nights, the busier nights because they know that they can make some money. Would would it not be? It would you know you'd all work because obviously Uber works in other countries and taxis and hackneys run, run alongside them. Patricia, it it works, but it's in to- it's in it's in cities. And large populations, but and and where they have good coverage, I mean, I like which since broadband came in and everything and all the network I'm um, upgraded. There are still places in every country area where you cannot get a reception. No, it's yeah. not depending on the app on apps to work there from. Uh, well, it's not going to work. Yeah, it's, it's not, not going to work. Yeah, it's it's so, not going to work. You, my point is, if you if you and your husband or anybody any couple going out or with your family, whatever. If you t- if you book your taxi before ten harvest, I guarantee you you will be fulfilled. There is enough of taxis in in every town, but another thing that's coming that's coming against them is there's illegal operators on the go. Wow. And I'm hearing this lately. There's illegal taxi operators on the go. Now that that would be a worry. Well, that would be a worry. Yeah, that absolutely would be a worry. I mean, and then we, and I don't know if this is an issue in the city or not, but we've heard from some of the county towns that a number of the taxi drivers have taken up contracts with the, I assume it's with the Department of Education and it's to drive children, like special needs kids, to and from school. And because of that, they've reduced the hours that they're working as taxis. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a lot of, um, a lot of uh, some of that going on. But yeah. look, there's genuine taxi drivers and hackney drivers in every town. Okay, in, so book book in advance is, is, I would is, say is your attitude. No, I'm saying to the taxi drivers in Kinsale, Bandon, Clannacilty and all them and Newmarket and Kentuck, they might have to up their game a small bit and take these bookings because if you have three or four bookings at that time, you will stay out longer then. You, but there's nothing worse than... Um, Everybody coming out at the same time. I know, I know. And, and, and like, the city is getting a lot better. Uh, just after COVID, it was diabolical. And I wouldn't blame people but, um, for not being able to get a taxi home because they were all coming out. The pubs were closing at the one time and everybody was coming out. But since COVID, in the last 12 months, the, the, the late night bars have reopened. There is still no standalone nightclub in the city, but there is there is a few Reardons and maybe Crane Lane and their pubs and their and their night to have a nightclub. But the point I'm making is that we can't get everybody home within two hours. I'm yeah. talking about yeah. just yeah. for one, you just bear with me for one second. If we had to get everybody home of a Saturday night in the city in two hours, you'd want another hundred taxis. It'd be impossible, yeah. And, and then, then and then, then I'm a full time taxi driver. And then what would that hundred taxis do for the rest of the week? Okay. But oh. if Uber comes in, if Uber comes in Uber took the National Transport Authority to the to the to the High Court five years ago in Dublin to come in on their own terms, and their own terms are that they 
Look, we live out the guard, the, the guard of everything. You don't seem to, you think to seem to think, but I, I, there is countries where, I, I mean, you'll have people taking second jobs and third jobs. And, and it's, there'll be people out of work over that. Okay. There'll be people out of work. All right, I accept, and, uh, I accept all. You've made very valid points, uh, Martin, but I think your best piece of advice to people is if for those who are complaining that there isn't enough taxis, a book in advance. Listen, I have to leave it there. Thank okay, you for that. One more. One okay, more. very what quickly. I, what, I, what I would say to the people who get unlicensed taxis, yeah. would them people get their rubbish collected by... Unlicensed operator. No, you wouldn't. And you, you're putting yourself in danger if it's if it's unlicensed. I'd be querying the insurance and everything. All right, listen, Martin, thank you for that. And uh, thank you for joining us. That is Martin, who is a taxi driver in the uh, city. Um, Eddie in Mahan says, I think Martin is only looking after his own pocket. He's quite entitled to that, of course, as a taxi driver, while Uber mightn't work in the city. But I feel it would work in rural areas like Castle Mar- Martyr or Kilbrit. Jerry is in Clonakilty. He said it's always been the case for years, 20 years ago, uh, when Jerry was out as a teenager. He said there was never any taxis operating, maybe only one or uh, two. They were always busy, uh, banned in Clonakilty, etc. We could never get a taxi home. One of us always had to be a designated driver, or, or, or otherwise we'd never get home. So it's nothing new. It's always been the case that at the busiest times of the week, there's never enough taxis. Cathy is in Katie. Sorry is in Douglas. What is happening now in the city is due to no taxis. People are going out earlier around 5pm and getting the last bus home around 11.30. Many people are no longer relying on taxis and that is what is happening. 0818 103 103. Lines open. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie. Community Development are holding their weekly lotto draw four o'clock this afternoon in the local community office. Jackpot is €11,800 and tickets are on sale in all local outlets. You can enjoy Woody at the OK Corral. It's the Fomoy Panto this year. It's running this weekend. Tickets are available from GR8. Events are from the Palace Theatre. Social dancing in the Marion Hall in Ballinhasic tomorrow night, Friday. Music by Jer Healy. That's the singing Jarvie from 9pm to 12 midnight. Admission €10 and it does include teas. And a reminder to you that the Canturk Person of the Year Gala Night due to be held tomorrow night in the Adele Quinn Hall has been postponed to a future date. Canturk and District Community Council would like to apologise for the late notice and uh, in the inconvenience caused to uh, everyone. And the Glen Theatre in Bantir, the Glen Theatre Drama Group in Bantir are presenting Tearing and Dragging. It's a two-act comedy by Hank Regan. It's on in the Glen Theatre in Bantir this Saturday and Sunday at 8 o'clock with bookings on 029 56239. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Now, a really good news story to start the new year with because the West Cork Rapid Response Group are launching their brand new Jeep on Sunday the 21st of uh, January at a special event in Banniscarthy Hall. It'll be on in the afternoon between 3 and 5 and they're extending an invitation to one and all to come along for the official handing over of the new Jeep because they wanted to use it as a way to say thank you to people who've contributed over the years. Delighted to say Dr Jason Vandervelt uh, joins me this morning. Good morning to Jason. 
I'm very, I'm very good. Always great to talk to you. And I was when I saw this email come in, I was remembering being at the launch of the very Eight first years ago. I was that was my question. The very first Jeep yeah. for Jason. And how many you've had another Jeep since? Have you? Another Jeep and another Charleston's. Yeah, no, I remember <laughs> because Kirsten was pregnant and I had Isaac in my arms. It was just a fantastic day. Um, you know, just a true kind of community metal coming together of folk in Ballinascarthy Hall eight years ago. And, you know, we really wanted to, you know, do that again. I, I suppose, Patricia, the last Jeep um, that we had, or well, the current Jeep that we had, we, we couldn't launch it four years ago because where were we? We were in the middle of... A pandemic. pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. So there was no official just handed no the keys and, and off you went. Yeah. Thank you and, and, and bring the community together and and explaining what we're doing. Because, of course, um, you know, we, we don't like to sit and complain and, and we, we're not ones for social media. We just kind of squirrel away in the background and, and, and get things done. Um, and really, this was a way of us kind of saying, look, this is what we're doing. And, and these are some of the new projects that we're up to. Yeah, and of course the one the one thing about the West Cork Rapid Response and and your your jeeps, it's only when God forbid something goes wrong, and then you arrive and your team arrive on the scene. It's only then that people realise the importance of your work. Well, well, that's it. I mean, I suppose you never want me to be a doctor ever, um, and and I'm okay with that. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, <laughs> look, it 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 is a labour of love, and you know what what hasn't been out there is the kind of. 30 or so other volunteers, professional volunteers from the, from the field of paramedicine who are out there day in, day out on the off-time, volunteers as well, you know, taking the calls from, from, from the ambulance service and, and being first on scene. Um, and, and it's all of that kind of goodwill that sees us in West Cork as having one of the best cardiac arrest survival of anywhere in Europe. Um, and you know, this is the sort of thing we want to get across on, on Sunday the 21st and really thank everybody for the Good. part they've played. Yeah. And it's, it's a Ford Raptor. I mean, I'm assuming now fully fitted out, has it? Is it? Oh, don't go there. Don't go there. We're not quite finished yet. Okay. No, we have it ready. No, it, hey, look, we, we will launch it. It, it, is, it is something very special. Um, it's the right vehicle for, for, for the job. Um, you know, we've always been on a very much an industrial um farming type vehicle um, it's what gets us there in the snow and the ice even this morning with the, with the heavy frost you know being able to get out where other vehicles couldn't um, and yeah it's again all of the, what we do is, is in house so we've had the, the amazing Peter Cockrell who's, who's retired now who still sits and works away on the Jeep does the, the, the conversion and this one's been going for the last four months now um, getting the vehicle properly converted turned into a uh, you know, an ambulance service vehicle with with all the, the flashy lights and the bits and pieces, but it's um, it's it's a huge build. It's it's a lot of wiring and electrics, and, and everybody obviously come and see that and see what work has gone in and where all the money has been spent. Yeah, it isn't just as simple as rocking up to a garage and saying, "I'll buy that uh, that Jeep." Oh, that will no, do. No, that no. will do the Jeep for Jason. <laughs> and I say, and we have to point out, and 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 we can never stop saying this: it's fund raised by money raised locally. Look, 100%, everything, every every screw that's gone into the vehicle, every wire that's been plugged in, um, you know, it's all fundraised by people of West Cork and all the money is spent in West Cork. We have nobody, for, for, for a charity of our size, we have absolutely nobody who's paid. There Incredible. Is, 
nobody at all gets paid for, for anything that, that, that gets done. This is, this is true metal. This is community spirit. And when you hold fundraisers, you never have any problems with people supporting you? Never. Mm. Um, and I suppose, I, I suppose one of our, our shortfalls are we don't, we don't have a big social media presence or anything like that. Um, you know, we like, a lot of the things we do are low-key because, you know, when we go and respond to people, this is often the most traumatic times in their lives and their families' lives. So people like to thank um, and, and pay back the service privately and quietly. And I suppose this is what you'll see on, on Sunday. You'll see the sheer volume of people across West Cork who come together to support things and, you know, quietly ensure that we've got a really high-quality uh, pre-hospital critical care service. It's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. And, and I was talking on Tuesday on my first day back, sadly, about the number of lives that were lost on the roads last year, you know, 184. Do you ever, you know, and, and in many cases, uh, Jason, it's you and your Jeep and your team and your volunteers will be the first on the scene. Do you, do you ever get used to that? It's a strange question because I don't, I don't suppose anybody can get used to it. Um, I suppose you, the way that you react to it is, um, it's probably the wrong word to use, but but you get you, you you get hardened to it, but you get hardened in a very different way. As you know, when I was a younger man responding 15 years ago and chatting to you, I had a very different outtake. I mean, now that I'm a father of five, and you know, you really feel for for the parents, or you feel for the kids, you know, and it it it, it gets very hard. But remember, we're there for one thing: we're there to to give hope, and you know, even when when there isn't hope, we're there you know, to make it as dignified as possible for people. Well, and I know you do that and I know it breaks your heart when you, when you pull up and you see somebody's got a phone in their hand and you know that was what they were doing as they were driving. That's it, that's it. Dreadful, dreadful. Anyway, listen, Sunday, the 21st of January is a happy day. We want to extend a huge Cade Mead of Alter to everyone to come along to Balnesgarthy. You'll get to see up close and personal Absolutely. this wonderful new Jeep. I, I'm, I, I would love to go along. I would love, to, and I have to say, because I remember your wonderful wife from uh, eight years ago, pass on my best wishes to her. She's a mighty woman because every great, behind every great man is a great woman. Absolutely. So listen, you look after yourself, uh, Jason, and thank you for taking time out. I know you're working today, so we appreciate it. Thanks a million. Bye bye. What a wonderful guy that is Dr. Jason Vandervelt and he's the kind of guy that we need to have more of all over this country along with the rest of the team from the West Cork Rapid Response Group. They are just the most incredible bunch of uh, volunteers who as he said just goes about their work really quietly and it's just it's one of those charities as he says he's the type of doctor that you you never want him you never want to be his patient because it means you're possibly on the side of the road involved in a very serious car accident or something's happened to you at home and the people of West Cork can be very, very thankful for Jason and the rest of the team and everybody involved in the West Cork Rapid Response. Long, long may they continue. Uh, 0818 103 103. Uh, John Paul continues to uh, take your calls. We are looking for your pet questions, please, because uh, Jane Pickett will be with us in a couple of minutes. But just before I get to that, I just want to do a quick few uh, comments that came in to do with NCT. Uh, Billy, Bill in Clonakilty 
when we were talking about NCT and I was listing out the number of fails and passes and that 50%, around 50% every year pass, which means around 50% every year uh, fails and the number of NCTs that have to be done every year. Bill is making an interesting point. He was saying most cars now have a five-year warranty. He said the new cars from 2024, many of those will come with a seven-year warranty. Uh, So why is it that they have to go for an NCT after four years. Doesn't make sense to Bill. He said if they put some kind of an NCT moratorium on a car that once a car is still under warranty or had driven say less than 60k uh, then they wouldn't have to go for an NCT that it wouldn't be based on the day that the car was registered. He reckons it would take about 200,000 cars out of the system which would then free up more appointments to be available for other cars. He said the idea of the NCT when it first came in was to tackle those cars over the age of 10 years and to take the bad cars off of the road which was a good thing and it was a good thing that got introduced back in the year uh, 2000 but he said with today's technology 23 years on since the first NCT a lot of things have changed why are we testing new cars that really don't need to be tested because they're still under warranty particularly with such backlogs which is a good point and it kind of ties in with Sheila who says I'm laughing here listening about the NCT tests I remember coming over on holidays to Ireland back here in the 70s when we didn't have NCT. You had bumpers held on with baling twine, a coat hanger for an aerial and a plastic bag stuck over where a headlight. All of that was the norm, says Sheila. So NCT has made cars safer. And just one final one in from John in Waterford when we we're talking about taking down the Christmas trees. John says, I was listening to your programme yesterday. I listened to the playback last night while driving home. I couldn't believe the people on your programme that wanted to strip down their Christmas decorations so soon. Christmas does not end. There's 12 days of Christmas. It doesn't end until the 6th of January, which is these this Saturday. Those people taking down their decorations are paranoid. We need those nice twinkling lights, particularly in this, the gloomy month of January. And that's from John in Waterford. Off to the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group, where our resident vet Jane Pickett uh, joins me. Good afternoon and Happy New Year to you, Jane. Good afternoon, Patricia, and Happy New Year to you too. So how did you get on over Christmas? Were you on call? Do you know... For the first year in a very long time, I wasn't on call for any other Christmas season. So I was really, really lucky this year. I got some lovely time off. But my colleagues were were there covering, making sure that all of the sick animals were taken care of. But I think all in all, we had a reasonably peaceful Christmas, which is good. Yeah. And vets like doctors, they, they have to be, you, you do get calls in the middle of the night, I take it, do you? Oh, you get calls in the middle of the night, first thing in the morning, middle of Christmas Day when you're about to serve up the turkey. Yeah. Anytime yeah. <laughs> it can happen for emergencies, but it's important that the service is there. Yeah, absolutely. OK, let's get straight into questions for uh, Jane 0818103103. John Paul taking calls. Anne in Bishopstown was on. She's a two-year-old male Maltese dog who, for whatever reason, has stopped eating dry dog food. Now, Anne has tried to hide the nuts in with other food. He'll eat all of the other food and you'll end up with a bowl of nuts. I've tried different brands of nuts all to no avail. Why would he suddenly go off uh, his dried food? Mm, That's a little bit of a concern. I suppose I always say that a change in your pet's behaviour is always a bit of a red flag. Now, this is a younger pet, um, so I suppose some of the things that we would worry about in older pets um, are less of a concern. But that said, this is a big change for this dog. Now, 
it could just be that they've decided that if they turn up their nose at the kibble, you'll give them more of the soft food, some of the good stuff. So sometimes dogs can be, you know, very clever about these things and really stick to their guns about not eating certain things until you, you give them all the nice stuff. And I'm pleased to hear that his appetite otherwise is intact. One thing that would pop into my mind, though, is whether he has a sore mouth. So is there some gum disease or a tooth disease? Now, that's less common in our younger patients, but it can still happen. And it can even happen in our younger patients for different reasons than, let's say, old teeth with tartar like we would have in an older patient. Sometimes it can be, you know, problems with the occlusion. So how the teeth come out, how they're shaped, how they interact with each other. Um, sometimes we can have non-erupting teeth. So when the baby teeth are changing to the adult teeth where they haven't come through, and that can all be a significant source of pain and irritation. So in a younger pet, although it could be our classic let's say dental disease um sore teeth it could be some problem with how their teeth have have changed from the baby teeth and the adult teeth too or equally it could be something stuck in the mouth um where let's say the soft food isn't irritating it but the hard food might be either way i would be thinking if it's not behavioral if he's not just trying to be to be smart and get lots more of the good good soft snacks that he really likes it could well be pain pain in the mouth for some reason so i would present him to your vet for for an examination now a lot of the time when we're trying to examine dogs mouths when they're awake sometimes they're very good boys and girls and they let us have a good look at things but there is a limit to what we can see whilst they're awake um, you can understand that, let's say, when we go to the dentist, they can say open wide and they can have a good look at the back of your mouth. Whereas with dogs, cats, it doesn't really work and as well. And if there's so, a soreness there, it will be extremely exactly. difficult. So can you knock them it out? You can do. So that's the thing. If your vet on the basis of, let's say, a full physical examination, if they have concerns and they might need to take it further, they can do things like sedation or even full general anesthesia to have a really in-depth look at them out. Look, that may not be necessary. Something obvious might come off an initial physical exam with them awake. But I would say the first step is visiting your vet for an examination and they'll be able to, to guide you from there. OK, let's move to Alyssa says, how do I stop a tomcat from coming into my utility room and leaving his smelly mark? Ugh. Oh, dear. Um, I'm, I'm going to assume that this is not, a let's say, a household pet tomcat. I would think um, so, yeah. It's one that's, one, it, one it's that's wandering in from outside. It's visiting. I think the first thing is first is, I suppose, if you're encouraging the tomcat to stay around by feeding him, then that's going to encourage that behaviour continuing. He's probably trying to mark this as his territory because he quite likes it. Now, there's a few different ways you can do that. One is just make sure that there's no access to the utility room. So just make sure the door is closed and that may stop your problem and you may still well, like to have that cat visiting. You may still like to feed it or you may not. And that's OK. But I think really just restricting access. And if you don't want to encourage that tomcat staying around, then, you know, consider whether you want to continue feeding it. These these little guys, they tend to, to roam around quite a lot. Um, So, you know, they may be feeding several visiting several different houses for food so if you are feeding them it's just to have a little think about well do you want this guy to continue visiting you if that's if that's kind of causing a problem for your household but it may just be as simple as making sure the door stays closed I'm yeah, afraid there's, there's it's no a fancier tricks yeah, than that I'm a, afraid It's a horrible smell as well uh, Martin, uh, Martin any advice for a Labrador eight years of age uh, was in good condition but I've noticed, noticed since Christmas he's starting to show signs of extreme tiredness and he also seems to be off his food slightly he's eating but not eating as much as he did before Christmas um, Martin is wondering what do you think could be going on there Yeah there's a few red flags in this I think that it's a recent abrupt change since Christmas um, that he's off let's say off his food the appetite's not as good as it once was but also that the energy is not so great I will be saying that there's a number of reasons here that look you know these things they're best if 
with most diseases and most problems, it's best to catch them early. I know it's it's very easy to put things on the long finger because we kind of don't want to know if there's something wrong. But I think in this particular case, you know, early intervention for most things is really helpful. It sounds like there's something going on here that needs managing for your little dog. It could be a number of things. A lot of those signs are, are very kind of, let's say, um, general. So it could be a number of different systems in the body that might be causing the problem, but let's say loss of energy, loss of appetite. They're they're quite general signs, so a number of things can cause them. So again, first step is busy your vet for a full physical exam. They'll take a bit more of an in-depth history as well, having a chat with you about your pet's lifestyle at home. But it may be that, you know, in, in, in a pet that's eight, they'd be kind of, kind of considered getting to middle age to older. It would probably be a good idea in this little guy to do some general screening bloods to check how his liver or kidneys, blood enzymes, blood salt are doing um to check how he's doing um just generally as a starting point but it may be the further investigation is required for this little guy but i think the really key thing is presenting to your vet a full physical examination generally helps to to point the road ahead and give us the yeah and eight eight isn't too old i know people panic about you know when this when you go on oh, the thought of going to the vet but i mean eight isn't too old for a lab is it no no i i I've seen labs go for in, into double digits in yeah. early teens. So yeah. they can go for quite a while and be very happy and healthy with a good quality of life. But that said, I suppose theoretically any dog kind of over the age of seven will be considered in most breeds to be middle-aged to okay. older geriatrics. So, we so have you to need kind of to keep a lookout. Yeah, we need to keep a lookout. Okay, Absolutely. somebody's on the other opposite end of the scale, an eight-month-old puppy. Would Jane have any advice on how to get my eight-month-old puppy to stop digging holes in the garden? Oh, ah. my heart goes out to you. It's a, particularly when you've got a lovely garden. It's it's not nice to look out there and see all your fine work dug up by your little puppy. Um, this little guy is probably just trying to burn off some energy and engage his brain. So these little guys, they just need so much mental stimulation at the age of eight months. Um, they're really, really just, you know, they are sponges. So he's probably a little bit bored and he's trying to entertain himself by digging a hole. And that's not great. And we'd prefer if he didn't do that. But I think the main thing is we need to kind of fulfill fill that need for him so that he doesn't feel the need to dig the hole. So I would say um, appropriate short walks at eight months of age, depending on the breed of dog, you know, you wouldn't want to be walking them on big, long, hour long walks. They probably need a little bit shorter than that. So frequent short walks is helpful, but also doing things like playing in the back garden, interacting, using pet safe toys and training is really helpful as well. Not to stop him digging, but training is really helpful to get that brain going, lots of mental stimulation. And they get really quite worn out from that as well as the playing from the thinking. So, you know, teaching them all the basic commands like sit and stay and lie down and even maybe a few fun tricks. All of that adds to their mental stimulation and makes them feel a bit more fulfilled. So they don't tend to feel the need to engage in those, um, I suppose, boredom-breaking, destructive behaviours. Um, so I'm sure just a, a little bit of work, lots of interaction with this pet, and I'm sure you can try and break the habit. Yeah, they certainly are. It's just bad habits and just to try to get to the get, get them out of the bad habits. OK, listen, uh, Jane, thank you for that. Have a lovely week and we'll chat again uh, next Thursday. You too. Thank you. Thanks a million. That is uh, Jane Pickett and Jane is with the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, which is part of the Mill Street Veterinary uh, Group. Do I have time? I do. A couple of minutes before I go just to wrap up on some texts in. Now, a number of people commenting on Martin, who joined us from the city, who is a taxi driver and very much against the notion of Uber drivers. And he feels if we introduce Uber into, into Ireland and into particularly into rural areas, that it won't work. 
and that we could end up ultimately losing some of the taxis that we we already have. A North Cork listener says, Patricia, listening to Martin, the taxi driver, he hasn't a clue what's going on in rural towns. Who wants to go home at 10 o'clock at night? That's when the night is only starting. For example, I love music and dancing on a Saturday night in most rural towns. The band only starts to play at half past 10 and they play until half past 12. And that's when lots of people like to be out and about. In my local North Cork town, there are two local registered taxi drivers that will only take regular customers and will only go within a certain radius of the town. I live in a village 10 kilometres from that town so they won't take me or my friends home as we are outside of the radius. So how are the likes of me expected to uh, get home? And by the way, I'm female. I have to use family or unregistered taxis or else I stay home alone. Happy New Year to you, uh, Patricia. That's from a North Cork listener. And Micah says, Patricia, Martin, your taxi driver is talking about booking a taxi uh, early. But the problem is there's no taxis at all, as far as I know, in Bandon at night. People are asked to support and socialise locally. But how can we do that when we've no way of getting home? I don't drink, by the way, but I keep hearing the same thing over and over again. I wonder, could rural buses be used to get people home just as a suggestion and start rolling them on weekend nights? The taxi driver is talking about the city, but definitely something has to be done in rural areas. And that's how we kicked off this debate yesterday with Senator Gareth Ahern. It was talking about rural areas. OK, that's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and we will be back with you for Friday's edition, the last one of the week. The week is flying by already. Last run of the week tomorrow at 10 o'clock. On to the line, Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60.